Are we ready to go? You 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 ready to go now? Absolutely. I mean, might as well, why don't you go ahead and pull the microphone a little bit closer to you? I'm sorry about not doing an intro. I know you ran over here uh, because of your because of your work. So doing the best we can. William Henry's here. You're the Libertarian candidate for Congressional District Two. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on on such nor- short notice today. Well, I appreciate the request. I appreciate you taking the extra effort to get over here because I know it wasn't exactly the easiest drive. Sorry, I'm going to get the camera on you so people can see who you are. If that's okay, that's um, you know, you know what this is. I guess the first thing is just have you introduce yourself to the audience. You know, obviously they know that there's a libertarian candidate out there, but maybe they don't know a lot about you. So let's just start with this the simple pitch, and then I'll go over some questions. Absolutely. Um, I'm William Henry. I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran advocate, an activist here in the state of Indiana. Have been for a number of years. Um, I was a U.S. Army soldier. I deployed to Afghanistan and Kuwait. I earned the Bronze Star in Afghanistan for my journalism work there, helping tell the story of what our troops were doing overseas. Um, I came back home and started working uh, veteran advocacy routes through communication at the American Legion Department of Indiana, and then eventually worked my way up into the administrative roles and started to uh, do more advocacy stuff at the State House. And uh, really travel throughout the state and do a lot of veterans' uh, activism and advocacy work. So you did journalism? Yes. Then. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So what was that like? Well, you know, you would be outside the wire a lot. Mm-hmm. and uh, A lot of embeds, I assume. Well, we would, we were, uh, I was covering a lot of training that was happening with the police forces in the Afghan okay. army. Uh, and there were a lot of, um, you know, violence happening yeah. in those, there were sleepers inside those cells. They were, you know, murdering people who were helping train them and getting their country ready. That was a really to, dangerous, I, and there's probably, for those of you who don't know, maybe you do remember, maybe you don't, but at the time what was happening is they would get these training classes together and then somebody would homicide bomb. Yeah, class. Absolutely. So you were actually in a really dangerous spot. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were working with these small cells out there, and, and we knew there were operatives inside these cells. And, you know, I would try to get as many photos as I could of their faces and as much details as I could. Because, Just in case. Well, I would help, you know, the, the, the intel provide that information of these people who are out there working while we're out there doing this and doing my journalism work on top of it. But being able to provide that to them so they can look at these guys and do facial recognition and see if any of these guys can be recognizable. And, Interesting. You know, and, and one of those instances, there was an individual who was a sleeper who was responsible for a lot of deaths of innocent individuals from a bus bombing. Um, they were able to go back and, and snatch him up out of that group and prevent any more damage that could have happened there. So um, there were some good things that came out of that. We were able to stop a lot of things uh, happening in the country uh, in those routes, you know, but... To see the pullout and everything, you know, the, what we did, and we pretty much threw it all away. And and a lot of that work and everything that we did uh, overseas, a lot of people feel the same way that they did during Vietnam. And, mm-hmm. you know, we pretty much wasted our deployment. We pretty much wasted our, our blood, sweat, and tears and lives of individuals who sacrificed overseas. Now, you're kind of in a unique position, too, because, you know, you're a libertarian, but you're a veteran. Yes. And you're a veteran who deployed. There aren't a lot of those. Yeah. Um, and libertarians typically have a more, um, I would say, an anti-interventionist type mindset for the mm-hmm. most part. And, you know, do you stand in contrast to that because of your deployment? Or has that kind of reinforced your, your fa- not falling in line, but your beliefs that are kind of in line with the libertarian traditional principles? Well, I understand a strong national defense, mm-hmm. but sending soldiers overseas to do work uh, overseas for other countries and these type of things that we've been doing, playing world police, is not appropriate for our soldiers and airmen and Marines and, and sailors to be doing overseas. We need to be focused on defense, 
need to be ready and poised for for anything that may happen. Uh, we need to keep these coalitions. We need to keep our diplomatic uh, agreements, you know, with these countries. But beyond that, uh, our stretch in our military has been um, over the last twenty years has been greatly uh, pushed to the limits. We've seen multiple deployments by individuals. We've seen. Uh, so much, uh, you know, injuries and PTSD and so uh, TBIs from from all of these deployments, and we need to really focus on taking care of those individuals and not making more of those individuals. And that's really the focus that I want to take: is we need to be ready for it and, and defend ourselves, but we also need to be focusing on our country, getting the things in order that we need to get in order, and, and taking care of business here. So, what do you think about the situation with how we're handling? Ukraine and Russia and the money was it like another hundred billion or something like that. They're looking at sending over there. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that prob- you're probably running into a lot of, of people in the libertarian right, in the conservative right that are probably overlapping on that issue quite a bit at this point in time, I would assume. Yeah. And, and really fiscally and financially, it doesn't make sense. We're $31 trillion in debt. We can barely, you know, help our, our smaller and medium-sized businesses that have been damaged over the last couple of years with the shutdowns and the mandates and those type of things that we'd have to go through. Um, we really need, it doesn't make any sense for us to be running more uh, overseas contingency operations, especially leaving Afghanistan like we did in such an abrupt way and basically just trashing everything that we worked so hard for overseas um, that was all just uh, sent to the wayside. So um, for us to pretend like Afghanistan was nothing and then act like this is something that we must get into, is, right. is, is, is it seems like an extreme overload. And a lot of the veterans are... are really tired and inundated and they don't want to play world's police anymore and they understand what's going on and and they don't want to do these deployments the way that we're looking at these deployments but they have an oath they have a job to do overseas and they're going to carry that out regardless of of you know what that may be yeah it's i've talked about this a couple of times on on the show just as my experience you know when i was younger and i was really gung-ho patriotic you know gonna enlist which i did and uh, I could never really understand why the guys who were like 50 and older were really proud of their service, but they, they had a different outlook on, on the country. And it was, it was one of disappointment, I would say. And now I get that. And it took me a long time to kind of get there, but I think that a lot of veterans are starting to understand that because every conflict, like we have to get involved in Afghanistan. It's the most important thing in the world. Uh, we have to get involved in Iraq. It's the most important thing in the world. We have to get involved in Ukraine. It's the most important thing in the world. Every single time we get involved, it's the most important thing. And then we just like, yeah, we're done with it. We're, you know, we're, we're finished in the sandbox. We're going to leave. And it really wasn't necessarily all that important. And that leads to a lot of frustration. Meanwhile, all this damage is being done, mm-hmm. but the VA doesn't really take care of anybody. Yeah. They do the best that they can. Don't get me wrong. Um, when I, when I trash the VA folks, just for my benefit in the audience, just understand I'm talking about the bureaucracy of the VA, not the individuals who work at the VA mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, but this is a huge concern going forward. You mentioned TBI. I mean, TBI is such a big issue now that even even the TV show Navy SEALs is talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like every episode, this is a big deal now. And I work with some veterans groups, you being a veteran as, as well as me. You know, what are we, what are your plans? If you go to Washington, D.C., what are some of the things that you would like to do? Now, Congresswoman Wilarski was big on veterans issues. Absolutely. That was a part of her legacy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I, I understand that a lot of people say that they want to do that. Most Congress people don't. What are your What are your plans when you get to D.C. to do that stuff? Well, I'll give you one example of something that we did here on state side that can kind of transfer over to the federal side. And uh, a lot of veteran advocates here in the state for, uh, for a few years fought for hyperbaric oxygen treatment for those traumatic brain injured mm. or PTSD individuals to go through um, that 40-week process to be put under uh, pressurized oxygen. That's I hear it. good things about it. By yes, way. absolutely. And, you know, when someone has gangrene or an internal injury, uh, they use pressurized oxygen to help that healing process inside those individuals. Um, but we got the state to create a program that um, allowed the Purdue University to collect data on these individuals to give to the FDA to show that uh, this process works for them. So th- th- this is actually causes healing to happen, and these individuals feel better. They report feeling better through this process, too. It's not just anecdotal. They're also taking brain scans and uh, looking at these individuals very closely. Now, the FDA wants to deny the fact that pressurized oxygen works for these individuals in, in this process. So we want to be able to take this data and these analytics to the FDA and say, look, this simple thing works. It helps heal people. You should approve this for off-label so insurance companies can pay for this simple operation on these individuals to go through pressurized oxygen. And the FDA will not recognize that. Uh, They have not, and they refuse, uh, just like a number of other things that I've been uh, trying to advocate for here in the state. Uh, they refuse to, to recognize the efficacy uh, and the safety uh, of that treatment for those things. Now, this is the thing that athletes do. Yes. I mean, it's you can buy one right now and put it in your house, and it, I mean, it works. So it's not like this is something that's going to hurt anybody. No. You know, unlike, I don't know, approving an, an experimental medication, maybe. Um, yeah. Something like that, theoretically, Vaccine. FDA. Yeah. Now, speaking of the FDA, one of the questions that, that we got from my Discord server earlier this week for another candidate was, hey, what are we going to do about the FDA and the CDC and the FBI and all of these bureaucracies that appear to have been weaponized against the American people. If you get to Washington, D.C., you know, are you kind of in line with the whole we need to investigate and remove people as much as possible? How do we get under this control? Or or do you feel like really this has been blown out of proportion? Absolutely. And and after the 2020 uh, elections, I started working for a, a laboratory in Indianapolis. It was a major pharmaceutical laboratory that does more than 90% of the FDA approvals for uh, drugs on the market today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, that vaccine trials, two of the major companies were coming through that, um, uh, that process. And yeah, having hands on that process and logistics in that process, I got to see very closely what was happening. And um, the larger pharmaceutical companies, because of the emergency order, could simply pay more money and they could move their products ahead and the specimen ahead to get the data and analytics first. And that's really the bottom line what happened. There could have been a smaller vaccine, a smaller pharmaceutical company with a very viable vaccine that did not get uh, any type of looks at all because these other larger pharmaceutical companies hit the finish line first and, you know, it pretty much wiped out the credibility of the whole idea of this vaccine altogether. Yeah, that's a that's a shame. Do you how do you feel about like the lockdowns and, and the emergency and procedures? 20, and things like yeah, that? 2020, uh, Donald Rainwater and I, uh, we ran uh, and it was against the mandates. It was against the lockdowns. It was against all of those type of things. Um, and we didn't want uh, 
those uh, to be considered uh, essential or non-essential. We wanted everyone to be essential because everyone is essential. They have got an essential job to do for their family every single day of their life. So we wanted to make sure that the message of everyone was essential uh, was across the state. And, and we were very heard. Uh, and we finished in 2020 with, uh, according to the Secretary of State's website and, and their records, uh, 11.4 percent. Yeah, it was it was a good race for the Libertarian Party, no doubt about that. Wish it had been better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I wish it. Wish yeah, it, it really hurt a lot of uh, of uh, restaurants and and service industries and delivery uh, industries, and and it really ballooned up these big box stores, and we still see them ballooning up today. We still mm-hmm. see them growing and growing out of out of absolute control. We don't see the produce stands in the in the rural areas anymore like we used to. Um, that stuff is diminishing, and uh, we've really got to allow that stuff to, to prosper. We've got to innovate, and we've got to allow those businesses to grow again and, and, and really take root and take hold. All right. Do you have time for another segment? Sure. All right, because I know you rushed over here after work. I appreciate Absolutely. this. It's all kind of last minute for us. We weren't sure that we were going to be able to do this today, but we got William Henry. He's running for the House District 2 congressional race as the Libertarian candidate. we got more of William Henry coming up on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Joining me in studio right now is William Henry. Now, he is the Libertarian candidate for the 2nd Congressional District. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you, Casey, and for having me. Bit of a uh, bit of a hectic afternoon. You rushing to get over here. Is this all last minute? We're trying to figure out if we're going to do today or Monday. And you're like, I can make it today. So we got you in. And I'm glad that we did. This is why we didn't do open lines right now. I want to make sure that we didn't hang up on anybody and we got him plenty of time to, to chat with us. So... The economy's a big deal. You and I were just talking about my second gig. We were talking about your your private gig. Um, you know, this is this is something that's hitting everybody. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the Fed just raised interest rates. And, you know, what's your perspective on that, man? You know, it, we're really doing ourselves a disservice financially by spending way more than we're taking in. Um, the Fed just keeps printing money. Um, and they're acting like we've got it uh, to just grow from nowhere. And... Um, we, these, the larger corporations have really grown over the last couple of years. We've seen that tremendously. Um, and we've seen the smaller and medium-sized businesses really shrink. So the money is really being held by those larger groups and those larger corporations right now. And we need to help these smaller and medium-sized businesses grow. That way that money can reach down to the individual level and, and can help them more than those corporations being able to hoard all that cash. So the, the more that we can grow those smaller businesses and, and mom-and-pop businesses, uh, the better off that we're going to be uh, wholly uh, across the United States uh, in all these areas, I think. Now, obviously, we already, I'm going to circle back to it, and I apologize about that. But we got to circle back to kind of like the, uh, the veteran status again. Um, one of the questions that has been coming up more and more, and I think it's because there's, I think there's been a bit of a shift from what is traditionally known as the hawkish right to a more tempered attitude, I would say. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call it non-interventionist, but a little bit more tempered attitude on the political right, per se. And a lot of people are starting to you know, talk about things that libertarians have been talking about for a long time when it comes to war powers and things of that nature. I assume yes. that you're in that camp as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Congress hasn't even approved any of these actions that we've had over the last 20 years. And the president has just taken upon herself to make these executive actions and, and join us into the global war on terrorism. And we have UN and NATO and these type of 
uh, a conglomerate, associated and allied organizations where uh, we're working together now in this mission. So, um, you know, I, I don't, you have those instances like that. Now, we also have a situation where Turkey is still blocking the entrance of Sweden and Finland into uh, into NATO, and it, Turkey's an interesting NATO ally. Anyway, I, digre- I digress. We could get into that uh, quite a bit. But um, tell us a little bit about your stance on marijuana. So, uh, you know, I think that one of your opponents is, is pro-legalization. Um, so where's your stance on that? I, I'm a former chairman of Indiana Normal Organization, oh, okay. which is yeah. the Indiana... Uh, Were you the one that was always emailing me from Normal? Was it, that you? It may have been me, oh, okay. yeah. Um, but we, we, our main mission is to educate, and our main mission is to, to show people the science and, and, and uh, facts about cannabis. And um, one thing that uh, people don't realize is that there is a human endocannabinoid system, and this is why we're attracted to uh, cannabis, and that's why... Um, some people benefit from supplementing these omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids from the plant material. And this is the science that people don't understand, that this is actually nutrition and supplemental um, for a lot of uh, neurological conditions where people have an endocannabinoid deficiency um, or they have other conditions like diabetes that's treated because they're able to fill in those endocannabinoids. Uh, So there's a lot of science, there's a lot of uh, information out there about the human endocannabinoid system and why we're attracted to cannabis, but it's at the top of the list of the controlled federal substances list, and it's never killed anyone. All right, so you got, uh, what, 30 seconds, final pitch. How can people reach out to your campaign learn more about you? Um, you can you go to my website at williamhenry.us. Um, you can uh, reach out to me, contact at williamhenry.us, or uh, you can email us, too, or you can uh, give me a call uh, from that website. Um, I really want to uh, serve the people of Indiana. I want to serve the people of the 2nd District. Um, I want to follow in those footsteps and continue on that veteran care. 